0: Main thing is when assessing CRMs, going back to the beginning, the 877 CRMs, the reality is that a lot of them have grown by acquiring other companies, other software, and basically band them together into a solution. So Salesforce is an example of that, purchasing, you know, Pardot and Exact Target and putting that all together. And then others, other platforms have done the same as well. And that's why sometimes When you use a tool like that, and then you use maybe the marketing side of it, it looks completely different. It's because it was acquired. (laughs) It wasn't built by the original company. Whereas I guess that's HubSpot's probably number one point of difference is that it's the whole thing has been designed from the ground up. So it's one UI or design, it's one code base. It's crafted together and not sort of cobbled together.
1: You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants. Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 405 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to DocuSign for sponsoring this episode. So today let's talk about using HubSpot for your accounting practice as a CIM, as a client relationship manager. HubSpot is definitely not a perfect solution for us as tax agent and accountants and i give nathan reisch the ceo and founder of content chemistry quite a hard time about the shortcomings of hubspot for our needs as you will hear in this episode hubspot doesn't have a proper document management system. You can't file documents per client folder directly from an email. HubSpot doesn't offer the option to create tasks with the relevant email attached. It doesn't have the combination of email task and document management we need. And it doesn't integrate with the ATO. All things that FYI and most likely also suite files do. But There are also arguments for HubSpot. The HubSpot CIM is free and it is a full CIM, not just a small portion. It's the full CIM that is free. The user experience in HubSpot CIM, I find much better than what I experienced in Fyi. And HubSpot gives you an automated sales and marketing pipeline that is directly integrated with your CIM. So there are arguments for considering HubSpot despite all the shortcomings that we will list. But I'm jumping ahead. So here is Nathan reach of Content Chemistry in Sydney. The first question to Nathan is whether most clients who contact him have already decided to move to HubSpot when they contact Nathan or whether many are still lost in the big range of options.
0: Depends. Some have made the decision already that HubSpot is the right fit for them. Others are maybe looking at a a couple of different options and then we'll have a conversation with them or a meeting and typically go through, you know, the pros and cons, I guess, of, of HubSpot versus other CRMs.
1: Could you tell me what the crunch points are? So let's say I contact you and I say, I'm thinking of HubSpot. What would you ask me?
0: Yeah, I'd say, well, it's a good start for sure in terms of like, I was just having a look on G2 There's over 877 CRMs in the world at the moment. And they're just the ones that are actually have been recorded. So HubSpot is considered a leader out of all of those 877 plus CRMs. So first thing is you've done a good, you know, you're on on the money there with a good choice. One of the key things about choosing HubSpot over other CRMs is, you know, what are the problems you're looking to solve? You know, is it you need marketing, you need a marketing automation? Is it you need something for your sales team? Is it that you're using spreadsheets and you want to use a CRM instead of that? Is it that you have multiple software that you need to integrate into a certain system in your tech stack? So there's a range of different, I guess, use cases for HubSpot, but yeah, probably want to understand a little bit more. What are the key pain points you're wanting to fix? And then we sort of go from there.
1: I understand that HubSpot has tasks and tickets, but neither of them allow to attach the email to it. So you can't create a task or a ticket, I understand, that is linked to this email. So that, for example, you want to send that email together with the task to a team member. So they don't have to go back and hunt for the email where the client requests X, but it's already right there in the task. And I don't think that is possible, but thinking about it, maybe it works with the ticket.
0: With HubSpot and other CRMs are the same, where you you typically have like a a contact or a a person, you have a company, you have a deal and a ticket. They're kind of called objects and you can associate objects with each other. So in your example, let's say a, a ticket could be a project, a ticket could be a job, it could be anything. But what you can do with a ticket is you can associate particular contacts or people to that ticket and also companies to that ticket so that when someone opens that ticket, they can see all of the communication with that particular person or company at the same time. And the same works for tasks. You can also associate tasks with contacts and companies as well.
1: So HubSpot has four objects or probably more, but contacts, company, Deals Deals and
0: tickets, tickets. yeah, they're the main ones. But now, as of probably 12 months ago, you can also create custom objects, which was never available to HubSpot previously, whereas ones like Salesforce had that functionality. So what that means is, like, let's say a great example is real estate agents, for example. So they've got all of these listings. They don't fall into any of those four buckets, so now you can create a custom object called property listings, for example, and then you can associate that object with all these other objects and bring in all of that data into that object. Um, for an accounting firm, I'm not sure exactly what could be, but it could be, you could call it anything. Be a groups, Yeah, it could be, groups, it could be groups, it could be projects, yeah, not, probably not projects, but yeah, you, you could basically create anything that it's almost like a data point which we call an object, which then can associate with multiple other objects to bring in all that data. So, yeah, it's, it's a really flexible tool.
1: So a customer object is basically just like a tag?
0: Oh, it's much more powerful than a tag. Yeah, you can report on it. You can build lists from it. You can associate other objects, whereas a tag is more of like a filter, probably, that you would use. So, yeah, objects are far more powerful.
1: But coming back to my long rant before, You can't create a ticket or a task from an email, correct? You have to kind of go in and create a naked task or a naked ticket that you then allocate and you basically have to say, please go and search for that email, correct?
0: So in HubSpot, you can actually like send an email and then after you've sent the email, you can create a task in the tool to do something related to that particular contact. So the email itself doesn't create the task per se, but in the same tool or even in Gmail or Microsoft Outlook, you can send the email and then go create task in three days or five days. So it's a pretty good workflow. It just depends exactly what you needed to do.
1: You can tell that I'm not so blown away by that because for example, in FYI, because I've I've come from FYI, which I tried for a long time, in FYI you have the email and then from that email, you create a task. Whereas in HubSpot, you basically have to go out of that email, create a naked task, and then the person who receives that task basically then has to search for that email.
0: Yes. Yeah, so in in HubSpot, within the contact, like I'm just going to do an example here. You can't see my screen, but so I'm in HubSpot now. But you could also be in Gmail. We use Gmail for our Google our email, or you could use Microsoft, whatever you, whatever you use. But essentially, here, if I want to email Terry as an example. I can do that, but at the same time, I can create a task here. I can categorize what type of task that is. Is it a to-do task? Is it a call, an email, a LinkedIn you know, navigation thing? And also the deadline of that task as well. So that's kind of available to me at the email level.
1: If the client writes to you and says, can I please have X? You would then write back and say, yes, sure, give us a day or so. And then from that reply email, you would create the task. Correct. If the uh, team member then sees that task and opens that task, they can't see the email that this relates to, correct? They would then have to go and hunt for that email, correct?
0: No, no, they can because the the contact here, Terry, would be linked to that task.
1: Okay. But so they would then have to go into the contact and basically look for the last email, correct?
0: Yeah, correct. So basically, let's say the task was contact Terry, they would go into his contact record here and they would see all of the, you can filter this by just emails, for example, or calls, tasks. So yeah, it filters it that way.
1: i sorry, I'm splitting ends here. You basically yeah, have to go back into your emails and look for the latest email.
0: Yeah. So the contact record has obviously all of the activities of the contact. So emails, a whole range of things. So for example, here, I'm in the tasks which is the tasks are almost like an object in a sense as well. Let's say I wanted to call Mark here, or let's go go chase up this one here. If I click into the task, it will take me straight to the contact record. And this is where I have all, I have every interaction with Mark here. So it's not like I'm just attaching that one specific email, like in Microsoft or Gmail. I'm actually sending someone to his contact record where I've got all the activity, all the interaction with, with, in this case, it's Michael.
1: The issue is still, sorry to be splitting ends about this, but very often when we work on a tax return, there are emails flying backwards and forwards and there might be three, four emails and it might take, a, you know, it would be much better if the task was connected to a specific email so that the team member doesn't have to go through the last three or four emails to work out which email it is. But it's it's okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm like a dog. Yeah, that's all right.
0: No, I mean, that's that's something yeah that that's sort of good good feedback yeah at the moment it's just more of a the task is more linking to a contact or a company and then in the task itself you can obviously provide more detail about what the task you could say something like chase up email dated 5th of October or if you know if you want to be more specific there and then it links through to the contact
1: creating groups at the moment all the emails are sorted by contact and you have companies and then you can allocate several emails to that company so that when you then look at that company, you can see all the conversations from the different emails. So if you have one company and there are three people on the client side working on this company, let's say two, husband and wife, and you have both emails linked to that company, you can then see the conversations and emails from both uh, spouses. So that's good. But when you have a group, so not just one company, but nine companies, and very often these conversations are not with respect to a specific company. For example, you know we might discuss something that applies to all nine companies. Then, of course, it gets complicated and then we need to create some kind of group. I understand that the way one could do that is to rather than have companies as such, to basically use company as group and To name it, for example, instead of ABC Propriety Limited, it's the ABC Group, and then you link all emails that link to this group, to this paraphrase company, and then you can see the conversations in the group. Is that how you would suggest to do it, or would you suggest to create a custom object?
0: Yeah, I think for what you're wanting to do, I think a custom object would, would probably be the way to go, because then you could associate specific people or companies to that object that group for example so that would probably give you the most flexibility i think in terms of what you want to do because yeah as you said if you only want certain people to be part of that group or because if you choose a company it'll bring all contacts of that company into that group but you might just want to select certain people so yeah that would probably be a great use case of a of a custom object
1: next question Document management. As far as I can see, HubSpot doesn't do document management at all, correct? It does.
0: Yeah. Let me just share my screen again here. So there's a tool called Documents. Yeah. Quite well named. Um, So this is just a demo account I'm showing you here. But essentially, yeah, it's basically a, a tool where you can upload anything from your computer, from Dropbox, Google Drive, whatever it is, You can create a foldering system as well, subfolders. Documents are more of a a sales tool where you upload, let's say, a PDF or a PowerPoint or something like that. And you want to have track analytics of that document in terms of who's opened the document, how long did they spend looking at it, stuff like that, which is really cool. What I meant to show you, apologies, is files. So files are basically your document management here. So... This is where you can upload whatever you like, essentially in terms Mm -hmm. of files, you can have them in folders, you can filter it by types of documents. So yeah, it's another way, like instead of using Dropbox or or something else like that, it's a way to have everything organized in HubSpot. One of the other main advantages as well is like, this is an example here of this particular file. You can actually replace the file. So let's say the file is online somewhere on the website or...
1: Yeah, for example, say ASIC details and you always want to have the latest ASIC details there or the latest engagement letter there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can then, if I open this file here, you'll see it'll open. Well, this one's actually downloading it. It's a PDF file, but essentially you can replace this file. Like let's say there's an updated, you know, maybe it's a particular operations manual or whatever whatever it is. And yeah, it updates it everywhere. So you don't need to go through every, like, let's say you've got a document, maybe it's a um, terms and conditions on your website, and maybe it's in five different places. If you just update it here, it'll update it all at the same time. So that's a really cool feature. And you also have file history, like who was the late last person to actually, you know, edit the file or upload it or et cetera.
1: Can you save? F- files directly from an email. So let's say a client sends us seven documents in an email. Can we then save those files in HubSpot directly from the email?
0: Good question. I haven't really used this this feature much, but I'm pretty sure that when someone emails you to your normal email address, what HubSpot will actually do is pull those files automatically into HubSpot as files. So maybe trying to find an example here with someone that's got
1: yeah, but you would have to then have, make sure it goes into the right folder, etc. You know, so for example, if you have a folder for yeah. each, each entity or so, then...
0: In HubSpot, it's called attachments here. So what it will do, automatically pull any attachments that have been sent from him or from me here, and then you can actually see that. And what this will actually do is add that to your files as well. Now, the question is, well, how can we organize that a little bit more into HubSpot? And what I believe happens is it kind of dumps it in. I think there might even be an attachments folder where it can put all that information. But yeah, it, it would need a bit a bit of organization or clean up to sort of do that. So
1: Okay, so that means from the email, you can't save it in a specific folder. It basically just dumps it and then somebody would have to go through it and put it into the right folder.
0: It's not meant to replace like a Dropbox or something like that. So I don't actually think it is actually pulling it into here. I think it's probably more sitting in the contact, the contact record. But then what you can do is you can download, you know, like let's say there's something important. Like I think in this, this is terms and conditions, for example. If I click on that, it enables me to then download that. And then I could then put it into a nice folder and have that organized. So that's the best way that Mm. it does that.
1: But that means that HubSpot doesn't really I mean I mean it doesn't really add anything to document management. If you have to download it anyway and then upload it, you might as well upload it into your current document management. The only thing is probably that then have it under contact. So if you then upload it to a certain folder, will you then be able to see the different folders under contact? So let's say you have five folders set up for a company, folders then linked to that no. company. That, no.
0: No, no.
1: They're not linked to a contact.
0: No, so files kind of operate as their own separate entity, I guess you could say. I know what you're trying to do, but I, I, I don't think would probably be the best way to do it. Like I think files in HubSpot is primarily like for marketing and sales and things that the whole company is using is probably the best way to do it. You can upload anything here, but Mm. that's probably the best use case for using files. If you wanted to use it more for your client management, I think you'd be better off at this stage using something a little bit more tailored to that because you could then set up subfolders and, and things like that. It does pull through attachments from emails, which is handy, but it doesn't do much more than that in terms of filing them against the client. It, it doesn't work like that.
1: Okay. Those are two hurdles for, I think, for accountants to use HubSpot. One is that the document management isn't really there. And then the other thing is that can't create tasks from emails, tasks are separate from from conversations. But let's just note that and put it aside. Before we continue, here's a quick word from our sponsor DocuSign.
0: Last year, our accounting firm was hacked. Okay, I'm going to admit it. My password was password. I thought about going back to old school paperwork. But then I heard about DocuSign. It has the highest global security standards with round-the-clock activity tracking keeping digital agreements confidential. So now we're on DocuSign and no one's cracking my password. And no, it's not 1234. Sign up for your free trial at DocuSign.com.au. Next time, DocuSign.
1: Actually, just a very quick question. You can't bike delete emails in HubSpot, correct?
0: Yeah, it doesn't really. Like it's pulling logged emails into HubSpot that you've automatically logged in your email tool. So if you're wanting to delete emails, yeah, you would need to then go through those and delete which which ones you didn't want in there. I think you can do that. You could potentially do that at a bulk level. I've never had to do it, to be honest. But I guess an email is an activity in HubSpot. So there probably is a way to do that. Like, let's say you logged a whole bunch of emails that you weren't meant to. Maybe they were confidential emails I'm sure you could, there'd be a workaround to sort of delete those, but it would probably be yeah. through an integration or something like
1: that. Don't you get spam? I get tons and tons of spam. Don't you get spam? I'm constantly deleting emails. Of course, I also had that problem in FYI. You know, you delete all your spam emails in Outlook and then you go into FYI or HubSpot and then you delete the whole lot again. In FYI, I could do bike delete by, you know, ticking on the top and ticking at the bottom and then just deleting the whole lot, but in HubSpot, you actually have to tick each email individually and then click delete and then tick the next one and click delete. So that's a very painful exercise.
0: Yeah. The only thing is though, like the only way that an email ends up in HubSpot is if you've ticked log and you've made the decision to log that email. So you've sent an email and you've decided to log that email into HubSpot. It doesn't log emails that are sent to you. So if you're receiving spam, it doesn't go into HubSpot. Oh, really? No. So it's only if you, let's say you reply to that email and you decide to log the email, then the email will go into HubSpot. But you make the decision what emails you want to log or not log into the CRM. It doesn't automatically do that for you unless you want it to. Like if someone sends you an email, it won't log that into the CRM. The main thing is like when assessing CRMs, going back to the beginning, the 877 CRMs, the reality is that a lot of them have grown by acquiring other companies, other software, and basically band-aiding them together into a solution. So Salesforce is an example of that, purchasing, you know, Pardot and Exact and and putting that all together. And then others, other platforms have done the same as well. And that's why sometimes... When you use a tool like that and then you use maybe the marketing side of it it looks completely different it's because it was acquired (laughs) it wasn't built by the original company whereas i guess that's hubspot's probably number one point of difference is that it's the whole thing has been designed from the ground up so it's one ui or design it's one code base it's crafted together and not sort of cobbled together so that's probably one of the big selling points and also that it's easy to use, you know, because if people are not going to use your CRM as good as it is, it doesn't matter, you know, if they're not going to use it. So, yeah, HubSpot definitely find that because it's quite easy to use, they've got great support, great training, they've got the academy, etc. They've got partners like us that help with it. Companies can, can sort of time, they call it sort of time to value is very quick. Whereas in other tools, it can take a long time to train the team on how to use the tool if they're using it at all. So yeah, that's probably one of the main things between say HubSpot and other tools. But yeah, it obviously isn't the use case for everyone. If there's some really specific things, like even in the medical space, you know, the medical industry will have to have their own system to record confidential data, for example, there, or perhaps government need to have this certain requirements as a government organization that they need so it doesn't work for everyone but yeah for for most businesses that are wanting to grow it really is a powerful crm it sounds like you know you've probably made the decision already in terms of like hubspot may not be the best fit for you and that's totally fine i think the worst thing is trying to promise something and then under deliver you know so it's better to be upfront and say this is what HubSpot can do, this is what it can't do, and then yeah, it's up to up to you to sort of weigh up the pros and cons.
1: But the unfortunate thing is that coming to the decision that that CIM is not is not the right fit is one thing. But then, if you come to that conclusion for every single CIM you try, then you know at some stage you you either lose hope or you make do with. With one thing, so at the moment I, I don't know what we do. One comment is that while HubSpot doesn't do quite a few things that I would like it to do. One really nice thing that HubSpot has that none of the others really have is, and that is, they have a free plan. And I think you can actually do quite a bit in that free plan. You you can take it quite far as a CIM on the free plan. You can have up to five team members in it, etc. So that is quite good. So to a, quite a far extent, it does the same thing that FYI, for example, does, but it does it for free rather than paying two, three, four, $500 a month for what FYI does. Yeah, it's amazing. Basic way, a much better user experience. But then, of course, FYI goes further but doesn't have a user experience like HubSpot.
0: Yeah, I mean, HubSpot made that decision, I'm not sure when exactly. Well, when, because HubSpot themselves used to use Salesforce years ago because they didn't have, the CRM wasn't built out yet. They actually started off as a marketing platform, then sales and then I'm pretty sure the CRM was the next thing that came. So they were using Salesforce, you know. I remember working with HubSpot and they were using Salesforce. So then when they launched the CRM, they made the amazing decision to make it free. And that's actually one of the most powerful parts of all the the most value is the CRM. Because it gives you all of those things for free. Whereas you're only having to pay for the marketing you know, the additional features on top of that. But yeah, the core of it's free.
1: I haven't looked at marketing and sales yet. So the free plan is just the CIM, but just is an unjustified word because the CIM is quite big. But so when you want to do sales and when you want to add sales and marketing, then that is no longer included in the free plan. That's what you're saying, correct?
0: Well, no, it actually, you get certain features included. So limited features included. So for example, on the free plan, you can send marketing, you can send emails, marketing emails, but the thing is that they'll have a little tiny HubSpot logo on them. For example, you can have landing pages with a tiny HubSpot logo on them and a couple of other things that you can do as well. So, but you know, you get a lot of features for the, for the free and it, even some of the, the marketing and sales features you get, but again, there's, you know, that it might be HubSpot branded. That's all because it's free.
1: You know, even though I was quite despondent before about some of the things that HubSpot doesn't do, the free bit goes far. Free
0: is good. Yeah. So, and look, HubSpot know that if they can get more people on HubSpot free, obviously, then they're more likely to stay. They're used to the platform, and then as they grow, they will stay with HubSpot. You know, so that that's the whole that's the whole game.
1: A couple of months ago, I tried to build a website through HubSpot, but I actually have changed to another website that is outside of the HubSpot. Would that limit what you can do with respect to marketing on HubSpot? Or can you link to another website that is outside of the HubSpot or you don't recommend that?
0: It's more powerful to have your HubSpot, your website on HubSpot. But having said that, most businesses that we work with, I would say majority of them are using WordPress for their website or Squarespace or not too many on GoDaddy, to be honest. But yeah, probably other platforms that are quite well known. So that, that's not an issue at all, because basically with HubSpot, you just install a pixel on the website, like any other HTML code, and then you can track website visitors and form submissions and things like that as well. So yeah, no issue to basically link hubspot to whatever website you're using but there's many benefits of using the hubspot for the website you just log into the one place and you've got everything there so that's number 1 number 2 is because it's using the CRM as the core or the the platform you can actually do personalization on your website on hubspot so for example if i know that you know heidi you're coming to our website on the homepage i can say hi heidi how can we help you today? Because we know that it's you. So there's some really cool things like that you can do if you're using HubSpot as the website CMS, but it plays really well with WordPress, Squarespace, and and all the others as well.
1: When you say digital marketing, you mean Facebook ads, Google ads, you probably don't mean TikTok so much, correct?
0: Yeah, we're primarily B2B, so we work with professional services, businesses, or SaaS businesses. So B2B, business to business. So yeah, look, TikTok is something that we're definitely exploring, but it's not a core service at the moment. Where Absolutely.
1: So Google Ads would then be the main thing, correct? Google Ads and landing pages.
0: Yeah. Google Ads, LinkedIn Ads is a big focus for us. Like LinkedIn in general is, is basically the Facebook ads for B2B pretty much. So LinkedIn Ads, not a lot on Facebook Ads because We're trying to focus a little bit more on B2B now, but we still do Facebook ads, but that's more of a B2C kind of focus.
1: Nathan Reach of Content Chemistry in Sydney. So HubSpot is not the perfect solution either. I'm starting to think that the CIM we need that I dream of for our industry doesn't exist yet. So I will pursue this HubSpot and you will probably make do with FYI or SweetFile for now. And hopefully, one day we get a CIM that really works for us as accountants and tax agents that runs seamlessly next to us as we work and communicate with clients. I'm not 100% sure yet what we cover in the next episode. When I know, I will insert it here. Now I do know what we will cover in the next episode. But before I tell you, let me just quickly come back to CRMs. I know I was quite down on FYI in the last two episodes and I did just say that I will continue with HubSpot. However, let's not put this to rest yet. Let's go back to FYI in another episode soon and have a really good look at FYI and talk to accountants who use FYI and love it and are now evangelists for FYI who didn't miserably fail as I did. So let's call that episode FYI for accountants coming soon. But now to the next episode. This is actually a really important one. It will have fundamental changes to your work, how you structure your client affairs using trusts and corporate beneficiaries. The big news is that in the Bendel case, the AAT just found that in UPE, an unpaid present entitlement, that a UPE to a corporate beneficiary, for example, a so-called bucket company, that a UPE to a company is not the Division 7A loan. That is a big one. So far since 2009, whenever a trust distributed to a corporate beneficiary and didn't pay, you had a Division 7a issue that you then had to fix through a Division 7a loan if you didn't find another fix. Listen to episode 149 with Peter Adams about Division 7a fixes and exclusions. But I digress. So since 2009 until now, you had a Division 7a problem whenever a trust distributed to a company and didn't pay the dividend to that company. But now the AAT has ruled in the Bendel case that a UPE to a company is not a Division 7a problem under certain conditions. So this is what Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Melbourne will discuss with you in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to DocuSign for the support. Bye for now and see you on the next episode.